0: Please leave me a rating and a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever. Thank you. Do um, you think it needs an introduction at all? Or
1: No, this is not a traditional eulogy.
0: None of them are. <laughs> I don't even know what traditional eulogies are. I, I looked up some. <laughs>
1: are you ready for this?
0: Wait, is that the right song?
1: (laughs) Yeah, hit the jock jams
0: My lord, this was a nice episode Natasha is an educator and organizer for housing rights and other movements That try to right the wrongs of society In talking with her, I got a beautiful image of humanity That may sound dramatic, but I do think she displays and articulates something that we all feel When we feel connected to each other She also speaks about her best friend that died a bit ago, and her love for her friend. And that relationship is, to say again, a beautiful image of humanity. Call your friends, remember why you love the world, and I hope you like this episode. And never mind, I'm going to start over. I'm just going to launch right into it. (laughs) I don't don't need to go into... Okay, welcome to your eulogy, the podcast where we talk to someone about their life so that we can talk about their death. Uh, today's guest is Natasha. Um, I'm going to start with a quote from her. From a, um, I, I sent out some surveys beforehand to to kind of get to know the subjects a little bit better. Love. I wake up every day and care for small humans. The more love I hold in my heart for them, the more I am endeared to them and vice versa. It is not possible to go to work at a school with a gun and love. It isn't possible to face a caravan of immigrants with a gun and love. That is a direct quote. Out of context,
1: it sounds a little <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> what what context would you like to give it? Um just being an educator in 2018 and being asked, you know, to uh, to do your job to be Doing your job well to be armed, that's just, it's so outlandish to me. And it kind of speaks to the fact that educators are asked to, you know, care for all the needs of the entire future of mm-hmm. our country. Um, but then so much more. They're asked to do so much more than that. And what people ask them to do are sometimes un- very uninformed. Um, suggestions and you know having to go through and do code red drills or you know lockdown drills at school and um, having people on top of everything you know academically and emotionally and and physically care for these children but also you know make sure that they're they the threats are being thwarted yeah um, you know that it's somehow your fault that you're a potential victim you know to whoever might be potentially attacking a well, school it's it's just ridiculous
0: <laughs> yeah um i heard fun fun I, I remember i think the the dallas um like chief of police i think he said something like people keep asking cops to do too many things <laughs> <laughs> um and When I was working at a school earlier um, last year, I I did an after-school program. And, um, yeah, it's like we're calling schools schools, but they're not just schools. They're daycare. And they're, you know, before school and after school. And they provide food. And they provide counseling. And they, you know, I had a student who, tragically, his mom died in a fire. And the school... um, yeah, there's there's bereavement counseling and um, helped the um, helped the whole family situation where everyone going to live and a whole bunch of stuff. The other thing I, I wanted to ask you about with the the gun thing is I feel that people dislike guns for two reasons. One, they weren't raised around them mm-hmm. like me, and so I just like I I don't need guns. I see only I see guns as as um, just potential violence, or they grew up around guns and um, and saw the, the danger that they would be. What, um, what was your experience?
1: I have never physically handled a gun, um, and I also believe that if you are going through life with the idea that people around you are threatening and you're not doing anything about it, you're not... Um, you're not involved in your community in a positive way to change whatever threat is that you believe is impending, mm-hmm. then I think that you're not doing your part. I think you're reactive instead of proactive in your life.
0: Yeah. And you're from, are you from North Dakota? Yes, okay. I
1: am. I was, I was born and partially raised there in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Okay. Um,
0: yeah. What well, what you just said kind of reminded me in high school, I had this religion teacher um, who he said the craziest analogy And I think it's a classic analogy um, But it's like You're standing at a river And there's You see a baby floating down And so you jump in And you save the baby And then Two minutes later Another baby comes floating out So you jump in to save that baby Another baby comes floating down <laughs> And you have to decide Am
1: I going to spend my time saving babies Or go upstream I figure out what's happening <laughs> Yeah pretty much that is that is an extremely unique articulation of how i feel about that yes you're not doing anything to to solve the issue you're just saying oh i'm going to be on an island and i'm going to isolate myself and i'm going to shoot whatever Mm -hmm. happens to come into my little castle kind of
0: yeah um let's quick do a little bit of a bio i don't do bios for anyone anymore because i do too bad of a job Um, and I believe in people defining themselves Um, how would you like to be defined in terms of like what work you like to do what how do you like to engage in your life
1: yeah Wow so just a summary of my entire self okay no problem (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have um, been in the field of education for a long time professionally We did a little sound bite practicing earlier about um, what exactly my role is, which is um, currently not an instructional role. It's an operations manager role, which um, I took on because uh, when I was in the classroom, I loved the kids, but a lot of the adult culture in schools is very taxing um, emotionally. Um, I don't think educators are really set up to succeed in our society, so um, I'm currently doing a role where um, I take care of kids, um, their transportation needs, um, you know, interpreting uh, when kids, you know, come into the office with an epically bloody nose, I take care of that, just a lot of the functioning of the school, Um, so that's what I'm doing in my daily job, I guess you could say, Um, in my free time, um, I try to organize, that's how I met you, Yes, through renter organizing um, with United Renters for Justice, um, we had Ariana on. Oh yeah, I think that was the first
0: episode. Oh I, my I gosh, released.
1: I have to listen to that. I'm gonna go yeah. home. It's great. Your mom's an opera singer. <laughs> wow, uh-huh. I didn't know that, but I knew they're from Italy. Is that correct? Uh huh. Yeah, so that makes sense. It seems very Italian to be an opera singer. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a
0: country full of yeah. opera singers.
1: <laughs> Everyone. Ah! Um,
0: yeah, uh, so originally you're from North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, uh, if you don't mind me asking, your uh, race and ethnicity?
1: So that is partially a mystery and partially known to me. Um, my dad was not raised by his parents um, in Guatemala, but he um, came here when he was in his early 20s, undocumented and... um. So he is, you know, part Latinx, he has some Mm -hmm. um, Hispanic heritage, but also a part that we don't know, potentially um, Asian, maybe Japanese, and that is one of the great mysteries of my life is that I don't know. Um, And then my mom's side of the family is German and Irish, so I consider myself a person of color, but um, I have also, you know, a lot of ideas about my white identity and think about that all the time, also yeah, it's so kind of a mixed a mixed bag yeah what, <laughs> what what do you think about it um you know uh it's it's really interesting um a lot of people ask me what my heritage is first uh, mm-hmm. when they meet me um and I don't know if a lot of white people walk through life that way I don't know. <laughs> is the first question people ask you like what's your background or and then if you if you say i'm from north dakota they ask you no really well Uh, where are you from like why do you where are your parents why do you appear that way basically um yeah of
0: course uh, nobody (laughs) asked that to me um (laughs) and i asked you mostly because um you can't tell race through language Mm -hmm. and so i just you know i think it's good for people to know um, you know, so they don't assume like things about you. Like they yes. don't assume that you're just white because mm-hmm. you know you have a Midwest like regional accent.
1: Mhm. Yes, and I do. It's especially when I say North Dakota <laughs> sounds <laughs> starts to st- slip
0: out. St- st- down. Sounds very Midwestern. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's one thing I kind of think um in Minnesota. There's some like little um racist identity because it's called the minnesotan accent which is really exclusively white because it's you know that scandinavian can, yeah mm-hmm. and and some of us talk like this and mm-hmm. the, oh don't <laughs> 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 my girlfriend had had a co-worker who always would say don't that's
1: gross yeah. oh you betcha i say a lot of funny phrases <laughs> <laughs>
0: Why well, I don't want to focus on that too much because I feel sometimes, you know, we can box people in um, and this isn't that long of an interview. Unless, like, do you feel it's a big part of your life thinking about, like, how people see you, um, if they assume you're white, if they exotify you or...
1: Um, yes, that is, um, especially in my adulthood. Um, I, I, I've examined that a lot. Um, especially the fact that I th- think I'm able to use my identities to approach people um both as a person of color but also as a person um who has a white identity I think I I maybe leverage that um Mm -hmm. a lot in um the political especially political conversations um which I believe are every conversation i think i think everything is political and everyone is mm-hmm. political um whether they choose to accept that or not so um when i approach conversations especially difficult ones with people about race or racism in our country i think i i use that to my advantage depending on who i'm approaching
0: mm-hmm <laughs> Your Halloween costume was incredible this year. Oh, though. thank
1: you. Oh, yes. Maybe
0: I'll use it for the, um, <laughs> when I promote this episode.
1: Oh, great. Yes. I love Nightmare Before Christmas. I was one of my best friends' uh, favorite movies who passed away, actually. I have prepared to talk about her in case we. Um, yeah. In case we bring up the topic of people who have passed. But um, I was Sally from The Nightmare Before Christmas. And
0: that was one of her <laughs> favorite movies? Yes. Yes. Um, you said something beautiful about, um,
1: do you drive now? Uh, I have a license. I have a driver's license, but I don't want a vehicle and it's, it's extremely frightening for me whenever I'm behind the wheel. Um, I was always scared of driving, but now even more so after she was in an accident and passed away. Um, yeah.
0: And you guys were (laughs) real tight?
1: Yes. Yes. She was definitely one of my best friends. Um, and when she passed away, I had just come back from the Peace Corps. I'd spent two years in the Dominican Republic and she was at, um, a research center. She was an entomologist. Um, and so she was in Canada and we had been apart. So continents, um, you know, almost away from each other. And, um, so then she had passed. We were just about to be reunited in the same country for the first time in years um when we learned that she passed oh no mm-hmm.
0: up in canada the the crash was
1: she, yeah she was driving from canada back to grand forks when okay. it happened
0: yeah yeah when a close friend uh, th- that's um th- there's something real special about like a best friend um because you get to you don't choose family, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so, like, th- there's something more, like, conscious Yeah. about a best friend.
1: Very calculated. Yeah. Who you keep near you. <laughs> she sounds cool. I mean,
0: studying bugs, right? Yes.
1: It's very important to me. So, I have a bee tattoo on my shoulder. Um, Me and my other two best friends went and had a, had a bee on different parts of our body mm-hmm. tattooed for her. Yeah, it was, she's probably the person who impacted me me most that has died in my life. Um, And so what I do during my life is, um, a lot of it is in pursuit of trying to um, honor her, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Trying to make sure that I, you know, take advantage of all the opportunities in my life. She's a very adventurous person um and she played a lot of instruments so i tried to teach myself how to play the guitar um that was on my bucket list goals yeah you
0: learned last year
1: yeah i've just been you know starting to learn how to strum chords and and Mm -hmm. sing because i i love that as a hobby also so just accompanying myself um and it was just a way to kind of i don't know continue our legacy um, so that she keeps impacting people even though she can't, you know, in the same way as mm-hmm. she did before. I feel that
0: every human kind of has to, there's this compromise or this cognitive dissonance that we have to come to terms with where we accept the smallness of an individual and the the, the breadth of infinity. Um, I think. I think the entire field of existentialism and philosophy is basically that, like, how do you find meaning in in a meaningless world? Meaningless because of just um, the incredible timescale that we live in. And you work um, educating kids, um, mm-hmm. which just in that, you know, is, is a massive time investment. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not going to be... Um, controlling society for you know a long time mm-hmm. with organizing you know that you can't you have to play to the long term mm-hmm. um, you know the the martin luther king quote like what the the universe the moral bent of the universe bends towards justice but it wavers before then mm-hmm. um, and i kind of get the impression that you do have like a core belief of you know eons after you're gone Mm -hmm. (laughs) things will be better Mm -hmm. um and that's how you get motivated to do the small steps Mm -hmm. uh, in the face of adversity in the face of um um what do you call it when something progressive happens and there's a backlash maybe just backlash is what Mm -hmm. i'm looking for Mm -hmm. um do you think i'm (laughs) describing you correctly and how you oh
1: yes i'm I love taking personality tests. I'm like obsessed with it, even though, you know, some people don't really like the joke ones, like <laughs> Harry Potter ones, or. <laughs> those. or but also, you know, like 16 personalities. Have you taken that one? No, no. Um, it's kind of like Myers Briggs, but with cute little avatars, you should, you should take it if you're interested in those, but I just love, and I don't analyzing myself, but also where I fit in the grand scheme of everything. Um, But yeah, my tests always come out with descriptions such as, oh, you believe in (laughs) that everything in the universe is connected and everything happens for a reason. And that has always been a very important part of my philosophy. And then also, I guess my kind of spirituality. Mm -hmm. I think I believe a lot in karma and the fact that little contributions we make, you know, you, you don't see them. Maybe tomorrow you don't see the results of them. In a month or a year, but I truly believe that everything you positive that you put out is is coming back in some way, and perhaps multiplied. And you never know; you never know when you are going to see the impact.
0: Yeah, well, th- that sounds like you have a pretty good framework for thinking about our own own mortality. Anyway, mm-hmm. are, are you, do you have any? Are you scared of death?
1: I am scared. I don't know why. I'm. I'm not necessarily a religious person, I, I believe um, somewhat in, in the New Testament and Christianity, um, but I find solace in a lot of religions and, and different teachings. Um, I think I'm scared of what, if anything, happens to consciousness. I think, um, you know, imagining a black void or something, um, that's frightening to me. Um, But I feel very fulfilled in my life. Um, Every day I try to live, you know, um, to the fullest and and I'm confident that I've accomplished everything that I think I would have wanted to. Um, So I'm not fearful in any way in that regard. I'm not scared of, you know, having regrets or... What I've done um you know, maybe to harm people, but quite the opposite yeah i'm I'm like wondering wondering, I guess would be a good a good term for my fear, <laughs> wondering what's next
0: um that's that's so beautiful uh did you? always have this kind of sense of uh, purpose and uh, philosophy.
1: Yeah, vocation is really um, integral in my life. And, um, you know, I could probably be making more money or (laughs) be more accomplished maybe in another field. But um, education, just every day I know that I'm important to Mm -hmm. to these young people. Um, and give them care and give them you know guidance in whatever way possible and I go to bed at night feeling just so I don't know I feel I'm making a a really critical impact on them and, and they are on me also
0: Was your, what was your friend's name who died? Sarah. Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, was she similar like this?
1: Um, I think we were compliments to one another. I don't think we had the same philosophy. She mm-hmm. would always say, I don't know how you're able to, you know, go into a school setting every day and and relate to mm-hmm. children. She she actually detested children <laughs> yeah I mean she preferred bugs <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly you know like, she f- she found beauty in, in a lot of um, very unique places where I don't think a lot of people would conceive of you know an insect as as this gorgeous you know <laughs> creature in yeah. nature but um, yeah she was able to see minutiae and just fixate on it in this really creative way um that's that's so beautiful you guys are
0: such a perfect team (laughs) that's it
1: exactly what a beautiful thing but in humans no she wasn't as much interested in human in humankind (laughs) yeah one thing
0: I was curious about is um you um from my observations of you uh you you feel very deeply you have a very compassionate heart um the term empathy comes to mind. And I was thinking about how some of us um, just aren't like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, who is, I can't remember, we have a shared friend who's, who also um, volunteers um, and is involved with uh, you know, um And she was saying, she was asking like, what do you do when you have like, you run out of empathy and mm-hmm. I was like half the time I don't have empathy you know like half the time I, I just like emotionally I I don't um I, I don't function that way mm-hmm. um and I guess I I was curious as to what you think about um because I think there's a bias towards empathy <laughs> there's mm. like a bias towards giving a shit but people are strange some people you know feel very little emotionally and and socially some feel quite a lot. Um what what do you
1: what do, do you have any feelings about that? Wow, this is incredible. I think <laughs> I think I surround myself with empaths, so this is this is fascinating to me to to hear about this experience that I don't live. Um because everything affects me. Well, you know, um I don't know what happens to my kids at school. You know, I go home and cry about it. Um, Current events like crush me. Um, Yeah, I feel everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm at an an 11 on the spinal tap emotional scale (laughs) like (laughs) all the time and it's exhausting, I guess. Um, But also, I mean, I don't think I could survive any other w- I wouldn't be me, you know, mm-hmm. if it were any other way. Um and and that's I don't know that's how I walk through the world. I can't imagine. And often I ask myself, not I'm not saying you're like some sort of sociopath or right? anything <laughs> because you're a lovely person. <laughs> but um just sometimes I ask myself, you know, people who are committing atrocities like specifically like in this administration. Um I wonder what what allows them to do that to people and not feel mm-hmm. that the consequences or to not be able to understand that person at the receiving end um what they're going through in in whatever tragedy that you you are contributing to yeah. in that moment I don't understand <laughs>
0: Yeah, it, it seems like they're feelingless, but I I actually have the theory that they feel tremendously. Mm. I think I kind of have this theory that there's no difference between hate and love. Hmm. I think there's just love and love plus ignorance. Hmm. You know, like people care. Like you know, um, people who have tremendous belief, like they're like dictators mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're they're um, populist like leaders that commit genocide. Mm-hmm. Um, people who care about things do the worst things in the world um that's probably not that i mean that's not an actual statement because you know <laughs> I, that's,
1: mean, I, theory, <laughs> <trademark>. <laughs> I mean your theory
0: trademark i mean i think a lot of people a, a lot of the the hurt in the world was caused by people who who give quite a lot of shits hmm. but they're ignorant and hmm. they're they believe theories about Um, population and they have economic theories that they believe, you know, like helping hurts and whatnot. Um, That's my, so it's not that the sociopaths, I think somebody like did a, and there's no good studies on sociopaths anyway, but somebody did. And like most of them are just like normal people that make on average more money. (laughs) But, you know, if you don't feel like you don't actually have an incentive to do as much harm as someone who's terrified of, um, You know people seeking asylum (laughs) from guatemala (laughs) you know like um yeah Hmm. so you think that the i'm saying you're people that commit people like (laughs) you (laughs) are (laughs) me (laughs) no
1: (laughs) you mean you can use your power for good or evil is that what you mean
0: like yeah i think love makes us do awful things Hmm. um my parents believe some stuff that's crazy and they're absolutely filled with, with love, you know? Um, I, um, if I had power, I'm sure, like, I would be some utilitarian that would be okay with, you know, killing 1% of the population to save, 90, you know? <laughs> like, I don't, I'm i sure I'm capable <laughs> of awful things too, like, the, the desire I have in my heart for things to be better.
1: Mm.
0: But I do like giving you the image of, like, people walking through the world unaffected by things as if we're just like these skeletons Mm -hmm. drifting.
1: (laughs) Yeah, on a moving sidewalk or something. (laughs) (laughs) Do do you think
0: you do a good job of knowing yourself and knowing how you are and um, dealing with um, having like an an excess of compassion?
1: (laughs) No, I don't. I'm very irresponsible uh, with my emotions and I think... um I could probably be more reflective and channel my energies in a more effective fashion. But I spend a lot of time being upset. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that takes up a lot of my time wondering, why am I not doing enough, you know, to change? Oh, you're you're so
0: great. (laughs) That's why I wanted you on this podcast because I wanted to just like, you know, I just wanted to talk to you and like kind of see... Pick what is like Yeah, cuz I d- I don't <laughs> have that much um I just don't have that much motivation for for good or just anything professionally. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to give you my theory on like how I deal with how bad things mm-hmm. are. Um which I don't think I'm qualified to give. You're my life coach <laughs> starting
1: mm-hmm. in this moment.
0: <laughs> well, I I I found that a lot of my a lot of my psychological um and like heart trouble when i see you know heart as in like you know feeling good about society comes from wanting the world to be different than Mm -hmm. it is yes Um, ditto and wanting the world imagining a better world is absolutely imperative to making a better world Mm -hmm. but every time you picture something that's not real it's what the Buddhists would call like a craving, mm. and uh, craving and aversion <laughs> are two of the three causes of unhappiness in mm. Buddhism. So, desiring a different world mm. um, is just mentally um, bad mm. for us. Ooh. So, it's <laughs> so I feel like you have to let the world show you what it is mm-hmm. um, and accept it in like a certain way. Would you agree with
1: that? Yeah, I. I haven't thought this, but I'm totally on board (laughs) because that's kind of humility is like accepting that you're not going to be able to change everything. That's another one of the mantras. that the people who support me have to repeat constantly. Mm -hmm. You can't you physically, and you know, you don't have the time to change everything. So accepting what is that would probably save me a lot of strife. I need to think about that more.
0: (laughs) I feel maybe thinking of accepting the world um, isn't the right, because that that feels like giving up a little bit. But being able to see it clearly Mm -hmm. is a useful tool. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I really, I'm embarrassed because I feel like I'm like trying to like teach you something. like, (laughs) you're the incredible person.
1: (laughs) We're both incredible. Well, I'm telling you that, you know, as as much energy as i have to you know wake up and i don't know commit myself to
0: in the uh, yeah
1: <laughs> to commit myself to wrangling you know 300 children every day i need people who have perspective because i also need to rein myself in in order to keep up at this pace so that is a very important contribution to the world to be able to be that um that person who's able to hey wait are you are you affirming me (laughs) yes no i don't (laughs) need that let me wallow (laughs) (laughs) we need people with perspective who can share that This is not a traditional eulogy none of them are
0: <laughs> I don't even know what traditional eulogies are I, I looked up some <laughs> and yeah cause on this program it's just they're always just like end cap little you know paragraphs or poems or whatever
1: yeah this feels more free verse <laughs> to me are you ready for this
0: na, 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 na. wait <laughs> is that the right song
1: yeah hit the jock jams no this is it's not that Not that energetic, I guess. Okay, Natasha tried. She tried to take advantage of her education and adored every minute of being a lifelong learner. She eagerly absorbed everything around her from traditional school to media, always driven by the innate and gnawing consciousness that opportunity is a great blessing that those before her sacrificed to bestow upon her, and she would honor them by her accomplishments. She tried her hand at a plethora of hobbies, Often astounding her partner Julio with a new and seemingly random pursuit of Zumba or bird watching or vegan baking to keep life surprising. She tried to live a life of service, dedicating her talents and humble resources to AmeriCorps, the Peace Corps, organizing renters and celebrating knowledge alongside young people in every school that she entered. She tried to make music. From her first memories of records being played for her at home to her most treasured and cathartic pastime of singing, Melodies enriched her life and narrated its moments all the while. She tried to teach herself the guitar to breathe life into the memory of her beloved friend Sarah who preceded her in death and was gifted musically, playing tuba and accordion before her passing. Later in life, she tried to unlearn the lies of colonialism and white supremacy that were taught to her by seeking the truth of indigenous peoples, the histories of self-liberation of people of color, and reconciling genocide. At first she felt alone in the unknown. but until her identity became forged by the ripples of historical trauma and she emerged stronger for having looked it in the eye. She was survived by the dearest of friends and family possible and the thousands of scholars of all ages that inspired her over a decade in education.
0: That was uh, real beautiful. I was, um, I'm not going to say I didn't expect something um, eloquent um, mm-hmm. and inspiring. And I didn't say that. <laughs>
1: um, hey, expectations, this- <laughs> met. <laughs> it was good. Excellent. <laughs> um, this
0: has been Your Eulogy. My name is Matthew Schneeman. I edited and did the music for this episode. Um, if you have any questions, um, you can email me at Your Eulogy Mail at gmail.com. And that's it. Um, I will see you next week. And thank you, Natasha, for coming by. Yay! Thank you! Okay, um, capitalism isn't soulless. In fact, that's one of its most traded goods.
1: (laughs) Oh! (laughs)